This week's episode is brought to you by Alex Ovechkin's 700th career goal, which makes him the 8th player to hit that milestone, because of course he is. That story, of course, managed to get overshadowed by a slightly different one. Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! And after 22 years, uh, good afternoon or good evening to the folks in chat, and potentially good morning to later listeners. I don't think anyone's listening live in the morning. You locked into the Burgundy Radio trade deadline special on the abs. Well, they, they didn't do much. We'll talk about whether that's good or bad. We'll meet the new guys, and as usual, we'll look around the league. Joining us on our roller coaster of emotion is, as always, Earl. What's up, Earl? Hello, friends. And back again after running around a bit this morning is Tiger Vixen. Welcome back. Hello, I'm good. And shout out to chat. There's a few of you here on a late Monday afternoon. I'm sure you're all listening while you work and not being relentless slackers. But if you are, that's Praxis I can support. We'll talk about the week's games in a minute. But first, Jackie was right. As the Colorado Avalanche trade next year's fourth round pick for Vladislav Nemesnikov from the Ottawa Senators. Do you want to tell us how you knew? <laughs> oh. Well... We knew that they had interest in him, that he was someone they looked at last year, maybe even the year before, and fits what they like. He's a good penalty killer. Um, he, I guess he can play center and wing. Um, it's just why them in particular is actually as funny as it sounds to think that Ottawa would never trade with the Avs again. I kind of thought the opposite, that they have a relationship there. And Ottawa just would be looking to flip players for picks. I don't know. It just just seemed to fit. Like, he was in the rumors just enough to the abs, but was never, like, crazy linked. And it wasn't completely quiet either. It was just just their MO. They like these guys, and they get them eventually. Did you see a spot for him before the trade? Just sort of, you know, over the year... Saying like, oh, you know, it's like they could use Nemestikov in these situations and that's kind of what they're thinking? Or was it just sort of, this is the guy they want, so they're going to get him? I think he's kind of what Nieto was a couple years ago. Yeah, let's talk so about the player me... a little bit. Uh, he's not a massive point producer. A similar numbers kind of to one Jimothy Timothy Comfer, but with better defensive results. And next year's fourth is about the hockey equivalent of Tree Fitty, so the price is definitely right, but we do need a little bit of selling maybe on the player. Well, he he also he has a little bit of an edge to him. He goes to the net. That's something they're always looking for. Um, He's versatile, like I said, center wing. I think he, he's probably going to be second line before everyone gets back, and then he'll be probably more of a third line guy. Uh, the only thing I don't like is he's I mean, not he seemed the to fastest. be quite a score <clears throat> he seemed to be quite a scorer with the well that's you know it's London but um you know he seemed to be quite a scorer in juniors and that that really hasn't translated and you know do you think that's just sort of the way it is or is it something about his game that just didn't translate well I've only watched him the most with Ottawa so and he was good he I think he was pretty good with them in the fall and um when they were, they had a little stretch where they were winning, and he was pretty good then. Um, but Tampa didn't have, I thought he was always known in Tampa as having a little bit of an edge in his game. 
like, wasn't he kind of a pest? I don't, I didn't see that as much in Ottawa, but even just a little bit of sandpaper is, could be welcome on the Avs. So and for me, I'm happy with the move. They, they always have to go out and get one rental, right? And I thought they were going to pay a third. So I guess for me, this sounds like a bargain. It's totally yeah. Four. And the funny thing is, is that that's what they paid for him. What Ottawa did was 2021 fourth. So my question is, if they were interested in him and in that price, why didn't they just do it in the fall? But you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, they <laughs> always got to do something at the deadline. I don't, I don't really know if, if they make this deal if they don't have four injuries in their top six right now. So, well, I guess Calvert's not top six, but four injuries in their top nine right now. I think they, they always have to get somebody. Well, they that's did get, just they did get that's just somebody, what you do. Huh? Well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's <laughs> just what you do. If you if you're gonna make the playoffs, you have to go get somebody at the deadline. They, they do it every single year. They even did it when they weren't good. <laughs> <laughs> they did it well, when they weren't gonna a... make the playoffs. <laughs> this is definitely a change from the Broussard trade last year. I mean, this isn't an aging guy that was good five years ago kind of thing that you know, might add some veteran leadership or grit. Um, you know, this is a guy, yeah, he doesn't score that much, but he does, you know, he has skill in his game that maybe doesn't translate to actual points on the board, but, you know, he's younger, um, just seems a, a little more spry. Um, yeah, like, this is more like the Matthias pickup, which probably yeah. was the most successful deadline guy over the last few years anyway. Yeah, I can see that. So if they're going to get someone for a fourth, I I can't think of anyone better, really. So it's fine. It's funny that they're all, to me they always take from the next draft. Like one of these days when they go big, they're they're really going to payday loan it. But for now, to I can leave see. to leave their 2020 draft relatively intact is nice. I was not expecting that. So, See, I and I think did, Ottawa I, I, has has enough picks for twenty twenty as it is. <laughs> sure, but I, I I do think they care about having at least a relatively full draft. I, I don't think they want like a five pick draft ever again. So, Which is good. Yeah. So leaving leaving this year's it. Yeah, leaving this year's at six and having six next year for now. Um, you know, I I think that's. That's a little more optimum, so it, it, it would. It's nice that they were able to jack that back a year. Um. So you don't see the Abs being interested in signing him over the summer. Probably not. They've never really signed their deadline guys. I guess we'll see how he works out if he has some sort of, you know, nuke-like renaissance or something. Yeah, I mean that's points. a thing. I, I look at him as kind of like a not not quite as good nuke, um, and and he, you know why you wouldn't really want two of those. And if the, I would hope they'd keep nuke because he does seem to have found himself uh, a new career with the Avs. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it you know, without seeing how the without seeing how the Avs are going to use him, it's it's kind of tough to say what role he could have next year. So. He could be the Nieto replacement, but I guess we're still holding out hope that maybe one of the young guys could replace Nieto. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he could be he could be a Kamenev replacement. Even <laughs> I mean, um, that's kind of what I see right now. Is he's kind of an upgraded Kamenev, and maybe I'm just reading you know his game a little bit. I I'm gonna know. say until I see him play for us is like Nieto three years ago or two years ago. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting. Because um, I personally think Nieto's fallen off a little bit this year. I personally still would seem, agree with you. Yeah. They still seem to like to use him on the PK a lot, which obviously isn't very good. And and Domestikov uh, is four shorthanded goals. Right, but Confer scores shorthanded goals, and he sucks on the PK, so I, I don't know if that's a great indicator. In what I will preface as a different deal, uh, the Avs send Callie Rosen back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, in exchange for a uh, bad goaltender, Michael Hutchinson, explain why they've done this for the people in the back. <laughs> Do you want the really mopey version from Jackie? or <laughs> Go ahead first. I need a second anyway. <laughs> Alright, well, they've needed another goaltender since last year when they promoted Frank to the NHL. So they needed a new third goaltender and, and someone to kind of you know, be a safety valve or tandem starter with Adam Werner down in Loveland. And so they didn't sign someone July 1st for free, which they could have easily done. Uh, they waited until training camp where they signed Antoine Bibeau, or they, they traded for Antoine Bibeau <clears throat> um, from San Jose, giving up Nick Malosh in the process. And Bebo was injured. I don't know if they knew it or not, or cared or whatever. But it, you know, he was very unsuccessful with the Eagles in very small sample sizes. Came up, relieved Werner once on a West Coast road trip in the NHL. Fell ass backwards into a win, and then went down to the Eagles again and injured himself. And now he's gone. So we need to replace him again, and. They had to spend more assets to do it. Now, it's obviously, Rosen is someone that's been up with the Avs before. They didn't really like him that much, it seemed. And he's been a, a little iffy lately in Coach Cronin's system with the Eagles. So they traded Kelly Rosen for him. So they basically spent Nick Malosh and Kelly Rosen to fill this role over the year when they could have spent nothing. And I know a lot of people say that you know, Malash isn't all that great with San Jose and, and Rosen wasn't in their plans, but it's like you could have traded those guys for other things and not wasted them on something you could have just signed. So And Malash just got called up. Hasn't played yet, but he's not total trash. I think he's been called right. up once this year already, right? No. No, this is his first NHL call up. But I forgot what the original question was. <laughs> Why did but, they have um, to spend stuff no. to get something they could have gotten for free on July 1st? Well, <laughs> that, that part's just inexplicable. I don't know how you just don't sign a third goalie. I guess because... I really don't know why. Because they had Miska in the ECHL to start, which is crazy. I but, mean, Miska um, is not a guy that you want guy, playing in the NHL for any reason. I mean, unless I mean, it's mock His, sta his stats are better than Warner's, so... 
I know. I don't but think it's just, that bad. He, he doesn't have experience. You know, it's like if you want a guy with zero experience, you may as well play Warner because, you know. <laughs> well, no, I agree with that. That you're at least getting something out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. I th- we've talked about it on countless podcasts. Why they just felt like they didn't need that. And I always felt like they were going to want that NHL experienced guy. And I was told so many times it doesn't matter if you get to your third goalie, you're screwed anyway, that NHL experience isn't that important and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's obviously it matters to them. Like this guy, I think it matters at this time of year. It, I don't think it mattered back in the fall. Like you could have gotten person number three, some experience and well, you you know, it just didn't work out. And, and it did work out with Frank last year. I mean, it's like they got so lucky with injuries last year. I mean, Frank was the third goalie. He played two halves of two games. So I don't know if they're betting on that to happen again, which would be just which complete is crazy. Idiocy. Yeah. Um, I don't think they were. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anyone can think like that. But it's just the only thing that occurs to me is I think they were looking for a specific guy or a specific profile and it just they couldn't get it done i don't know i mean finding the third goalie is not not that hard right but it's not like you're no, I, I just you're trying if to you're choosy i can see it being a little tough <clears throat> and, then, and then when they got bebo he was just like miska and spencer martin like they weren't even getting a vet at that point they were just getting a warm body at that point yeah but this move to me this isn't even about the player it's all about the blanky factor it's just mm-hmm. so they can sleep at night knowing <laughs> that they have an nhl third goalie it he hasn't played well at and like all. you said and like you said is he even going to be better than warner is he and now i understand if one guy goes down they they're not going to want warner to just sit around i yeah. get that so to me i hope they never even send hutchinson down because they're they're tandem in the AHL, it's Miska and Werner. They both played well. They both deserve to start, and they both deserve to take the team to the playoffs. So, to me, it'd be very disappointing if they parachute this guy in just because the Avs traded for him, and they need somewhere for him to go. As far as well, I'm I mean, concerned, he should stay with the Avs. If Gruby and Frank are both healthy, then there's at this point there's no reason why you can't carry three goalies. Yeah, the roster's unlimited, so I, I, there really isn't any reason to ever send them down. Um, you know, they, I, I, they don't care. Well, I mean, if, anyway. Yeah, but I mean, they're just basically stowing this guy if Grubauer comes back, and that's the X factor in all this. We don't really know when Grubauer's you know, even thought of coming back. Um, it's obviously not sooner they would have made this move, but. Um, there's two back-to-backs that they got to cover. Uh, I think they'd rather have someone that they could have take, you know, at least those two starts and maybe one or two more. I mean, they just you don't want Frank playing every single game down the stretch. <clears throat> I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna wear out sooner or later. So you you want to keep him fresh. Um, and you know, I don't know if this is the greatest way to do it. I, I don't know what else they were looking at. You know, you, you think maybe Kincaid? I would have claimed to Ming, I guess. <laughs> what yeah. it comes down uh, to is the thing that you said a minute ago, where if you get to your third goaltender, you're kind of screwed anyway. 
that didn't become less true today. Right. No. Exactly. That's why it's just to, to feel better to say that you went right, out but and did I, this. I think, yeah, but I think for the team in front of them to have confidence, like, Are the they? team in front of... <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I think too. so, because, all right, like, like Werner is, is not a guy you want to put in this situation. Like, all right, dude, you really got to win this game. It's really important. I mean, that's just not a situation you want to put your rookie goaltender in his first pro I season in North he America. he would have been okay in. getting a few more starts. I wouldn't want him to sit around for a while. Right. I mean, if, if he comes in and plays great, then that's awesome. But it's like if he doesn't, that's just that that's something that might, you know, scar him for a while, like we saw with Spencer Martin. And to a lesser extent with, with Calvin Pickard. Um, and you do and need like, five goalies under contract. You do. Like, they do just need the sheer quantity of them. But I don't yeah. think they've upgraded in any kind of ability. Right. But if, if you look at it this way, if Grubauer comes back and they do keep him on the NHL roster... Um, if Miska or Werner gets hurt, then they can send Hutchinson down to the AHL and play him there. Um, True. And so, I mean, you're you're sort of covering both the Eagles and the Abs with this. It's it's okay. I mean, I realize you know it's like you put this guy in a game and and anything could happen. But I just think that the the trust factor would be higher with a guy with NHL experience over Miska. He's just pretty much an older Joe Canada. Yeah, <laughs> and as far as the return, I it is kind of funny that that is Rosen the Toronto. I mean, I don't think there's any coincidence here. They wanted Rosen back. I just wonder what pick it would have been in place of, but we'll never know. So I, mean, I don't think Toronto is dying to give up a pick for him. I mean, I, I think they're like, you want this guy? Yeah, okay, we need to get him out of town like now. So. He was kind of a pariah in Toronto, so the... <clears throat> I mean, I think they were glad to get rid of him. No, I mean, a pick from us. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's going to cost something. Yeah. So, if Rosen is what they really wanted back, which surprises me a little because I didn't really think any of the vets would be taken from the Eagles, and they really weren't. He was... Well. Somewhat a vet for them, but this really is such a low price to pay for them yeah. to get their blankie. So it's it's more of a, even just a funny trade to me. Yeah, and as far as the Eagles are concerned, now that Jacob McDonald can go back to being, <laughs> I don't a, think a he wants to be a D. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's I don't know if they want him to be a D. I mean, they, but well, I mean, they could keep him there, and they could call up, you know, Kevin Davis. Um, and he could be sort of Josh. Yeah. Well, I mean, Davis is going to provide offense and, and the same kind of defense that Rosen did, uh, i.e. not great, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I always thought they, it, they liked that Rosen was signed for next year because it seems like they prefer to have that. I don't know if stability is the right word, but just knowing who they're going to have as their bets, especially on defense moving forward, like how Lindholm and Renuff are already signed. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. some knowns are important and nice to have. You can't really plan if you have no knowns. Yeah. 
but I was thinking if Rosen was a righty, though, Toronto probably would have given us a pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they would have just kept him last year. <laughs> so I hope they can use him. I thought he something. did fine, but yeah, he wasn't going to have a future with us. I really don't think he would have been the 7th the D next year, like I'd seen speculated. It's just, I thought he was going to be pretty much what he was this year, mostly an AHL yeah. player that they could call up a few times. He's kind of like not? Barbario. <laughs> so. Does this change really your thinking on the the Barry Cadre trade at all, now that it, it basically turns out to be... Barry and Kerfoot for Kadri and, and Hutchinson. Well, they also didn't get rid of their third round pick, so in a way that makes that pick a little bit more valuable. Yeah. They didn't just throw it away. So I guess I maybe Rosen did move it one way or the other, because I know some people were high on him or saw more of an upside. To me, not really, I guess, but I, I could see for other people it might. I still think it it was a deal they needed to make and I still think they it was a pretty even trade. I don't really think either side had a big win. It's just a matter of satisfying needs and I still think that it did that. Yeah. So that's overall a, a pretty tiny haul for the Avs that sees almost no change to the roster in general. What do you think? I'm happy. I I don't think that you get good deals at the deadline. I know um, there was a lot of speculation about a bigger deal, maybe Montreal. And I think that could still be revisited, that a Joe Zadorov deal certainly is not dead just because the deadline's passed. I'm glad they didn't get into any big rentals. I think that's a total mistake. I think it's funny that after all this, Kreider ends up signing... In New York, the biggest rental was Peugeot. It's just well, we're going to um... talk about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so knowing that there wasn't really anything great out there, I feel like they missed out on. Um, this is what I wanted. I didn't want them to bring in a bunch of people to move big prospects, big picks. I think they did pretty much what they said what they were going to do. And I also think it does send a message that they can win with this team. And I believe they can. I don't think there's anything realistically attainable at this deadline that they could have brought in that was going to make a big difference. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, I'm happy with what they did. I, I would have been really mopey if they had dug into, you know, let's say the top eight prospects, um, or any of their first first round picks, um, it it just it just feels like it, it was something they really didn't need to do. I know a lot of people make the case, you know, it's you can upgrade at each position and, and get better. But like we were talking about this afternoon, it's like they, you know, it, it, if they go true to form for the rest of the season, they're going to be about twelve six and three down the stretch. What could they have gotten? that would have been sort of revenue neutral and improved that record enough to really make a difference. And it just, none of the math adds up there. I am basically in a hundred percent agreement with y'all. I'm my goal going into this day was for the avalanche to do absolutely nothing 
And I kind of understand why they felt like they had to add that third goaltender and their focus is 100% on NHL experience because when they announced the trade on, on social media, that was the whole tweet, was that he had <laughs> X number of NHL games. Um, and then... Didn't say if they were good games, though. And then picking up Nemesnikov, I mean, it is what it is. Their, their penalty killing is not very good. Getting a little bit of help there isn't the worst thing in the world. And again, you traded Tree Fitty for him. I really don't care that much about that deal. So overall, you did very close to nothing, and I wanted the abs to do nothing. So I'm pretty satisfied. They made no major mistakes. And Me too. Pretty much all that they were looking at potentially doing, but probably, was making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, they have the most wins and goals in the Western Conference right now. It's like they... You know, they don't need much unless you think that they have to replace someone that's injured. And I, I don't like that mentality. And it didn't seem like Sackick was on board with that at all. So, <clears throat> uh, I mean, those guys all seem like they're going to come back and you know, hopefully sooner than later. And I think anything big you would have added would have kind of disrupted the chemistry a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're, th- yep. they're what, three points off the top of the league with two games in hand. And their goal differential is plus 46. The next closest in the West is plus 26. Yeah. Like, what are you going to add here? Yeah. And I think it was telling nobody in the division really added either. Nope. Well, no one that knew the deadline was today anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's let's take a look at a few of the other deals around the league. Um, Not every single one. Just the ones that may affect the Avs and the funny ones. So not a lot going on in the division, like you said. The Winnipeg Jets picked up Cody Eakin from Vegas for a middling conditional pick, and Dylan DeMello from Ottawa for a third. The Predators swapped Miko Solomaki for Ben Harper, who are both real people. And they added Corbinian Holzer from the Ducks for Matt Irwin. The Dallas Stars swap Emil Deuce, or Juice, or something, which is probably a real person, I can't really prove that, to Florida in exchange for Buffalo's sixth. Very simple deal there. Why does Buffalo have Buff? Why does Florida have Buffalo's sixth? Why is that the one that gets moved when it's a sixth? Whatever. Chicago- we have their sixth. <laughs> Chicago yeah. pretty much sold. More on them in a minute. Minnesota also dealt Jason Zucker for Alex Galchenyuk and stuff a couple weeks ago. So yeah, not yeah. a lot, not a lot of motion in the Central. I mean, I, I saw some people talking about all, uh, all the other teams in the West are getting better, and I was like, well. We don't really care about the West as much as we do about the division, right? Because everyone agrees the Pacific is poop. Yes. Yeah. They, the Pacific was interesting today, to, to say the least. Um, just going back to something in our division, you know, we heard a lot about uh, Billy Guerin doing stuff and more than just getting rid of Zucker. Um, so... You know, is this kind of a loss for Minnesota, the fact that they really didn't alter their roster much when they seem to be kind of wanting to go in a different direction for the millionth time? I don't know. With those things, like, are you alluding to Parise? I mean, anything. I mean, yeah, getting rid of Parise would be a a score for them. But it it just seems like, you know, what they they know what they have isn't working, and yet they they kind of lost a, a chance to get rid of some stuff. I think they have to be careful because... The guy's name escapes my mind at this moment. The previous GM, he made too many rash trades. 
Cheer so I think yeah. Or is it Paul Fenton? Yeah, Fenton, that right. One, yeah. yeah. And um, then um we should probably so, mention just for people who don't follow every passing second of the trade deadline is that there is <laughs> very strong rumors today that the Minnesota Wild and New York Islanders were going to move their problem contracts in Zach Parisi and uh, Andrew Ladd with obviously Parisi still being a very effective player um but with a much worse contract. And both players apparently waived their no-move clause. Like, this isn't according to random insider on Twitter. I mean, these are, like, actual hockey reporters reporting this. Which, then, it never came through. I think that's something, is another something that could be revisited in the summer. So, I don't think it's a total missed opportunity, or whatever you want to call it. It is interesting, and it was, like, the largest rumor in, really, the hour leading up to the deadline. Um, but I just think bigger moves like that are better made in the summer. Yeah, something like that, which seems more like a double cap dump and problem for problem trade. I mean, you can really do those anytime. Um, but again, with Minnesota, it just, it, it seems like they could have done more than they did as far as reshaping their roster a little bit and sort of, I don't know, make it make it a prelude to, to doing some work in the offseason. I'm fine with that. You know, they can stay terrible as long as they want, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this is Minnesota's brand. Yeah, and that's great. <laughs> it's definitely awkward, though, just because Parise is such a big part of that team. And from what people say, he and Suter have a lot of control as well. Well, and so also, I think he asked Nico Koivu be. to waive his no-move clause, and I forget whether he, he either didn't or he did, and whatever the deal was fell through. Um, didn't he say he was staying? I don't know. I tried to be yeah. a while, but um, it, it does seem like they're headed for a culture shakeup, which is probably what they need. It's yeah. just tough to do it, so... Yeah, I mean, that's it would have been nice to get a head start on that for them. I mean, now, if this is what they definitely want to do going forward, they just have to you know, do it all at the, at the draft, um, you know, that, that time of year. So since the Central is maybe more interesting for what didn't happen, let's talk instead about the Pacific, which got busy. And there's yeah. a lot here, so feel free to just jump on top of me and interrupt whenever you have something to say that's, you know, neat. Um, the Edmonton Oilers bought Tyler Innes for a 2021 fifth, and Andreas Athanasiu and a throw-in for Sam Gagne in two seconds. There's a little salar- there's a little salary retention in that deal. They also moved Kyle Brodziak's contract in a conditional mid-round pick either this year or next for Mike Green. The Athanasiu and Green deals are separate, even though they're between the same teams. Go figure. Which is big big coincidence with Ken Holland there, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and here come the Oilers. Calgary, <laughs> for their part, added Eric Gustafson from Chicago for a third, and Derek Forbort from LA for a conditional fourth. I do not know why. The Chicago Blackhawks sold Robin Leonard of Vegas for Malcolm Subban and prospect Slava Demin, which I can't pronounce and will not try again. Vegas also added Alec Martinez earlier this week for a pair of seconds, as well as Nick Cousins from Montreal for a fourth. I think this is one of the... I don't know if you you want me to completely stop you, but I think this, this Vegas trade is, to me, one of the more interesting ones of the day, the Leonard trade, because... And I didn't know that it also included Subban. 
So that makes sense, though. They really don't have a need for him. Um, we've been, I've been saying at least for the last couple of years that Subban just is not a good backup whatsoever. So I totally understand the need to upgrade, but I guess I wonder why did they wait so long. And they were the one that made the move for Leonard when, when you have like Carolina who has such a need and goal. Some some people could even say that the Avs needed Leonard more than Vegas did. So uh, I remember last year they they pulled off the stone trade with minutes to go. So it, it certainly fits into their mo. But I would not have predicted that one. That one surprised me a bit. I, it it does surprise me just because you know Flurry. It's you know it's 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 tough to say this with a team that's so young, but you know he's kind of a face of the franchise. Um, you know, are are they going to make this more of a tandem situation? Is he getting into you know another Matt Murray situation like he had in Pittsburgh towards the end of his days there? I mean, uh, it, it just right, seems kind of odd. Yeah, it's uh, sure everyone would like some insurance at every position going into the playoffs, but it's it's kind of a price to pay. Yeah. Meanwhile, Vancouver are faced with an injury in net of their own, so they trade for Louis Domingue, who was just on waivers <laughs> a minute ago, like we were talking about. Right, big difference there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they also bought Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli, fuck, Tyler Toffoli. From the Kings for a whole bunch of stuff, including a second this year and a conditional fourth in two years. It does, after you reading a lot of these back, it it does leave the impression that a lot of the better players move before the deadline. They do. They almost always do. Not only that, it seems like it seems like Vancouver was spending a lot when maybe it's a little early in their cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we say that it we about Vancouver, but it's hard to judge what Anaheim are doing. Yeah. <laughs> they added Christian Jews for Daniel Sprong, and they swapped Nick Ritchie to Boston for Danton Heinen, and they sold Derek Grant to Philly for a Ford I've never heard of in a 2024th, plus that Matt Irwin from Nashville thing. Like, what is any of that? Well, and those all look like hockey trades to me. Like, they, they're not accumulating picks, and you'd think, like, all right, you know they they might be the best out of the three bad California teams. Like, do they have designs that they might get back into this playoff race? You know, is the Pacific so bad that they they could have a chance do you at think a wild they can card? Make up fourteen points? No. Yeah, exactly. No, so I it's like, so maybe so what were they doing here? <laughs> I think not that I have a real strong knowledge about any of these players, but I think to me it felt more like just finding better fits, like Richie. It's it to me. It always felt like he he was such a good fit, the style of game he played. But he, they just never seemed like they were completely in love with him. I think he had a holdout, and they just I think they sold on the last remaining glimmer of the the tenth overall pedigree with him. But I mean, as a whole, like you look at the Ducks deadline. What did what does this do for them going forward? Um... Well, without looking up every single contract and such, I would just say moving things around to find better fits, guys that they might... Are, I mean, are, are these all pending UFAs, or it's it's hard to say without looking exactly at... I mean, they're all mid-tier kind of guys at best. I mean, I, I just... 
it's kind of baffling that we, we we've we've talked about how there's a dichotomy between how their amateur scouting program and their pro scouting programs work, and it just seemed this was a lot of pro scout here. I don't feel uh, like they got rid of anybody that I was like, ooh, that that's a mistake. So yeah, yeah. So it's an improvement for them in that way. <laughs> so maybe maybe rearranging the deck chairs, maybe. Maybe their scouts saw something in these guys. I don't know. I And we forgot one of the bigger moves they made today was claiming Andragazine no off waivers. That might be their biggest move of all. Yeah, we're going to have... Uh, so why uh, did they know, hate I, him when they got all this new stuff? <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, the Eagles are going to have to deal with him because we do play the Gulls, I think, twice more. Maybe more than that. But they um, claimed him, so he can't go to the Gulls. Unless I'm, Pittsburgh doesn't care, which is entirely possible, too. Well, someone else, I mean, they'd have to waive him again. I I don't know. I mean, it's like, are they going to keep Andrew Agazino on their NHL roster for 30 days? It's, <laughs> they <laughs> I don't might. Know. They, they might, you know? <clears throat> for San Jose's part, they traded Patrick Marlowe for a third to Pittsburgh. Nice. And said, but well wait, done. there's more. And somehow dealt Barclay Goodrow for a first-round pick. I don't understand yeah. that one. I looked up his, I don't know, stats. There that... is there is a third going back the other way. But still. Yeah, so I really yeah, don't it... know. He just I... seems like a depth guy, 20-ish points. I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, a lot of what... 3D chess over there. A lot of what Tampa did today and, and through this past week, I guess, you're just kind of like, uh... <laughs> you you know you, it's like you, you you finally got good again and then this <laughs> it's a whole lot of qua <laughs> i guess that's why th that trade is why people endlessly speculate that someday that the avs are going to pull off something like that Hopefully in the in the good direction, not the bad direction. It's, I hate yeah. deals like this because it fuels everyone on the internet <laughs> who wants to trade all your bad players for everyone else's first round picks. Yeah, exactly. Not that Barclay Goodrow is even a bad player; he's just not a pr particularly productive one. He's one that yeah. doesn't hurt you, but I'm not real sure how much he helps you. Anyway. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in the coming days. Some explanation about what was they saw in him. I mean, if I don't you're know. Tampa, you're expecting that pick to be in the twenty six, seven, eight area, right? At the at worst. Sure. Yeah. So it's it's kind right. of hard to look at that as a second or as as more than a second, but still, the principle of the thing. Yeah. Even so, it, there's always kind of a drop in the draft around forty. So. Early seconds, late firsts are probably the same, but that's still you're still going to get players out of that. So it's yeah, for sure, kind of weird. So the Pacific, boy, they they did stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's weird that it's been such a chaotic division all year, and then this was just total chaos. And I, I think that just makes it so hard to evaluate. Sort of did who got better relative to everybody else because it's it's just been weird i mean i think i, I think, I think leonard really yeah yeah i think leonard really should help vegas because it's like 
when they didn't have flurry and it just kind of bad things were happening all the time. So Ben was just not very good. And, um, and that's going to solidify that. <clears throat> but and Martinez is decent enough. Yeah. So they, uh, I think they definitely got the better end of what the Pacific picked up. Yeah. Plus, yeah. Well. Last time I looked in the standings, they finally got back up to the division lead. They are in the lead, but they do have played more games than anybody else except Arizona in their division. Yeah, it's so tight. They have a Eric- three-point lead, and they have two or three games played more than Edmonton and Vancouver. I guess Arizona's yeah. done now that they have no money. They're done with their three-way swaps and all the moves they used to make. Yeah, that's that's really too bad for Arizona that they took that goaltending injury because it's just been the end of their season, you know? You, it, sucks, yeah. it sucks for them. But I don't think there's any question that Vegas wins today for the Pacific. And then Anaheim does stuff. And Edmonton also kind of does stuff. And Calgary adds bad defenders. And it, suddenly, if you're not happy with the Avs sitting pat today, it looks a little bit better, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's just, it, it's, again, it, it's tough for me to look at what all these teams did and, and look at any, anyone besides Vegas and say, like, I, you know, I, I can, I can say that they could, they did bad or good here. I mean, it, it all looks bad. Some of it may end up being good. I think Edmonton might have done okay. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 that's just such a weird division and I think it's going to continue to be that. Colorado were tied all week to Jean-Gabriel Pajot, but the New York Islanders stepped on that grenade for us, and it cost them a first either this year or next, a second this year, and a potentially a third in 2022. Probably not, but potentially. Plus, they immediately signed him for six years at five million bucks. Holy cow. Yeah. So what, what was I... his shooting percentage again? 18%? 18%. And he hasn't been over 10 the last three seasons. Bingo, bingo. Yeah, I didn't want the Avs to go here either. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a little surprised they didn't get either a halfway decent prospect or something in the deal. And then the third's for winning the cup, so just forget about that one. So it's like a first <laughs> and a second. So... Yeah, and the, the first could is bore not... everyone to death and win the cup, I guess. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> it, it works in the World Cup. Maybe it'll work in the Stanley Cup. But the, the the first is lottery protected, so if they win a top three pick, it slides to next year. So it's kind of funny, this was the biggest rental of the day. Biggest deal of the day. But jeez, that's a lot. Do you think lot. it's the biggest mistake of the day? <laughs> the biggest Do you think mistake? it's the biggest mistake? What's worse, what the Rangers paid Kreider or what the Islanders just paid Peugeot? I don't know. It might be uh, the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, both are pretty bad. He'll be overpaid. He's a decent player, so at least they're not paying for past performances. But, yeah, they. it's just a good thing the Avs didn't go there. It, it's not their MO either. Yeah, it's just, I mean, when you have such a, a high acquisition cost and then you turn around and... and throw a big contract down immediately without any kind of 
in know, a show, not they even like five games, you know? <laughs> right, I've even met the guy. And, but I under, I also understand for him, it's his time to cash in right now. So yeah, it, that's the offer. But boy, in any other circumstance, I'd at least like to get there, <laughs> meet the people I just signed for yeah, I mean, that's, five years. That's just Six taking your, your pro scouting staff and just saying, all right, guys, we trust your word on this. Right. I, I, <laughs> and I said this like during the afternoon while this is all going down, but I wish somebody had that level of confidence in me to say, <laughs> <laughs> to, to say we're going to take our first two shots at people who can do things for us next year and throw them away, and we're going to give you 30 million bucks. Go do it. Yeah. Imagine that level of confidence in somebody. Yeah. What a day. That th- this struck me as very 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 Lou. <laughs> More fun wins. Ilya Kovalchuk ends up in Washington for a third. I think that's a great deal for the Caps, honestly. I mean, they you know, obviously they could have signed him for free a few months ago, but um I, I think the fact I, I think what they're paying for with the third is him going to Montreal and showing that he still had something left and and whatever he, the the situation with him in L.A. was 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 drawing dragging him down. He had like the same scoring rate in Montreal that he did in L.A. It's so I it... I no I I don't I mean the guys had over nine hundred NHL games. If you needed. Six weeks in Montreal to tell you what kind of player he is. Then I guess you deserve to lose your asset. Right. <laughs> I think the that. hilarious part of the deal is that they retained on the league minimum contract. <laughs> they retained half of $700,000 contract. That was two-way, by the way. Two-way contract. You're telling me they ret- retained on a two-way prorated league minimum contract. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. But it will so be fun they're pretty to... much paying him like $75 to play. So to that extent, <laughs> I guess I guess that's also what they're paying for was for the salary retention. But so, it, there you it's, go. It's definitely going to be fun to watch the Kobe and Obi show. They, they seem to have a little bit of a relationship, so that'll be neat. But yeah, it's a good fit for him. Yeah. For some inscrutable reason, the Buffalo Sabres dealt a 2021 fifth to New Jersey for Wayne Simmons. <laughs> that one is the funny trade of the day. I still haven't figured that one. Was this like I, a wall move when you just feel like you suck, but you just need to make a trade anyway on trade deadline? You just need to feel the rush or something? I don't know. Or is he going to help the room so much? Is he going to sit down and have long talks with Jack about how to not be crappy anymore? I I don't know what the goal is here. Are yeah, they going to Buffalo... sign him next year? Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, <laughs> I, Buffalo was involved in two of the deals I really liked the, today as far as funny haha deals. <laughs> um, you know, the, the Simmons deal, obviously, and then Pittsburgh trading back for Connor Sheary. <laughs> you're just like you just traded in there <laughs> okay but you know it's it, like they used to say if that's funny then then, then trading you know then the leafs trading for kelly rosen is also funny yeah uh, it kind of is 
It is. I still say that the funniest deal I can think of with trading for a player you've already had before was the time that the Detroit Red Wings spent a first-round pick on Kyle Quincy, who they originally took in the first round. Yeah. Carolina, and I'm very sorry to our European listeners for these pronunciations. Carolina turned Yone Kwokinen, a first and a second, into Sammy Vatanen and Brady Shea. None of those players can play goal, but that's a big day for them. Yeah. They got check too, right? Yes. They did. If I was going to pick stuff. a quote unquote, of stuff. Wit- Yeah, that was a total piled up trade. Winner of the deadline. It might be them, but like you said, you also didn't get a goalie. So how much how much did you really win? But they probably it, got the most good players for not having to give up a ton. I don't know. They gave up a first, a second, and a bunch of stuff. That's, yeah. That's true, too. It's, it's debatable I, how useful the stuff is. Let's, let me scroll down to this Trocheck deal because I wasn't remembering that it existed earlier when I was preparing, you know, in five seconds. They traded Eric Halla, Lucas Walmart, Chase Prisky, and a, a Finn who has too many vowels in too close proximity to each other for me to even attempt. This is where them having 8 billion picks and scouting well has helped them because some of these dudes actually had some value. Some of these extra prospects actually had some value. And most importantly for Florida, they shed about a million and a half in salary. A little less than a million and a half. Oh boy, I guess everyone can eat this month. Because there's apparently been some directive from the rich people who own the Florida Panthers that need to cut $10 million in salary. I guess they should have thought of that before they paid for Bob. Uh, this is this has been a, a constant thing with the Panthers, and in, if you go back to the '90s, the Marlins were very similar. It's just they did spend like madmen and then cut it to the bone two years later, and you're just like you, you can't run a team like that. Um, not very well. You you can try. No, you can certainly try. As far as Carolina goes, yeah, I mean, you know, they got three good players. Um, you know, without knowing, I, I mean, we know that, that Dougie Hamilton has a broken leg. It's, I, it seems like he would be back sometime this year. Um, Pesci just got injured in the Zamboni guy game, so we don't know, you know, how bad that is. But you know, if he's out for the season, then then maybe they just had to do this. But it's weird that the, where they are in the standings, they they kind of really thought this was the year to spend and go for it. Um, I you know, it, it just seems a little odd. I think the guys they got, they'll still have though. I don't think any of them were pure rentals. I could be wrong. All I know about but... this is that Carolina play in the Group of Death, which is the Metro. And yeah. this, like this is just what it takes to be competitive there, because the Columbus Blue Jackets are sitting on seventy-four points and outside of the playoffs right now. Meanwhile, the Edmonton Oilers are sitting on seventy-three points and are second in their division. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess I just I'd, I, I think the division being ultra competitive would make me sort of. St- 
sit back. I mean, maybe these guys, you know, are going to be long-term solutions in, in Carolina and, you know, that it's, it's really going to be a restocking and, and more for their long-term plans. Um, you know, it, it, I, I just look at it like they gave up a bunch of stuff. I don't know how much any of that's worth just because some of the names are unfamiliar. Um, you know, I hope it works out for him, I guess. Finally, um, let's not forget everyone's favorite deal from earlier in the week. Um, J.F. Berube to the New York Rangers from Philly in exchange for future considerations. Yeah. And I guess we should mention before our, our Twitters get bombed by assholes that uh, St. Louis did pick up Marco Scandella about a week ago. So they they didn't yeah. do nothing. That did happen. Um, one thing I want to go back to with Carolina getting Brady Shea is that, like, what does that say about what the Rangers are doing? Because um, he was, you know, he was one of their better, if not the best defensemen they had, and young. So, what are you doing? When you they look at the rest like of their moves, I'm not offensive sure that... defensemen. They need their gritty defensemen. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, if you're letting David Quinn and David Oliver influence your def- decisions, there, there are going to be some bad ones in there, but... Their only other deal in the last week is Joey Keane for Julian Gauthier, right? I don't think they did anything yeah. else. Whatever. Yeah, that... Ranger's going to range. Yeah, and they kept Kreider, which after all that, after... All the internet words spilled over him after all the uh, speculation, let's just call it. And he so basically, they, they traded Shea for Kreider as far as you know their long-term good player count. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, again, I hate the Rangers. I, I hope they just eternally rot outside of the playoffs. So <laughs> all those minutes spent in Loveland, they're trying. Shed a tear. Didn't happen. Yeah, that, the Chris Kreider, Kreider contract is wild, and then the Maple Leafs also found a way to do nothing today by n- announcing an extension for Jake Muzzin that was apparently signed a few days ago, four years and under $6 million, which is notable because today they extended a defender and traded away their, like, backup, backup goaltender. I, don't, I, don't, I think he was their, was their third now to the Jack Campbell trade. And that's notable because just the other day they lost to a Zamboni driver, and that's that's what they did today. Yeah. And Leafs fans are thrilled. Yeah, they are. They're just happy as all get out. Anything else from today that you want to talk about? Because I mean, we're ultimately here to talk about a hockey team that plays hockey games, and we can talk about some of those too. I, you I think know, we summed it, up the day pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, now it now it's looking at what actually happened as far as what these guys do on the ice. It's a lot of moving stuff to move stuff, and I'm sure there'll be a one or two that are pretty successful, but that's what it ultimately is. Is uh, a lot of trades to make trades. Yeah, I mean, making trades at the NHL level is a, a lot like basically like doing anything in any kind of competitive environment if you're gonna do it at a high level you got to know why you're doing everything that you do and so when when you look at say um 
you know, when you when you when you look at Arizona trading Marcus Hanakainen to the Blue Jackets for a conditional seventh, or that that's uh, that's the other direction. Sorry, but you you have to think why. <laughs> what like did you you probably started from something else and negotiated down and this ended up being agreeable and so it gets done, but why? But. Talk about a hockey team that plays hockey games. For my money, the maybe the best game of the season so far was on Monday, as the Avs fall 4-3 in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's not the result you want, and Miko Rantanen does go down with an apparent shoulder injury in this one, and he'll be out for a few weeks. But this game had it all. Andre Barakovsky, Nathan McKinnon, and Valeria Chushkin score for the Avs. They come back from a 3-1 deficit to force overtime. Um, Nathan McKinnon basically takes over the second and third periods. Oh, especially at least the third period as Tampa just kind of goes full meltdown mode. And then we go to overtime where McKinnon does that. <laughs> I'll get to McKinnon later. Let's <laughs> <laughs> call that a little spoiler alert. A kind of a big but, anticlimax to that game, but who this was a good one. It was a nice match of skill and talent and speed. I don't, I don't think I loved it because I don't think the abs played as well as they could have. But it's it's certainly good when you can appreciate the talent of two teams playing each other. And it also feels like this game was about three weeks ago. Just because <laughs> stuff has happened. It's been a long week. Yeah, for me, you looked at, at Grubauer going down in the... In, in the outdoor game, um, Gruby came in. Yeah, that was unlucky that the it wasn't a lead, but the you know the game got blown really late in that. You know, and you wanted to see a bounce back, and he he kind of struggled at first, and you know the the Abs were able to pick him up, and you know that kind of foreshadowed the rest of his the way the rest of the week went for him. Um, you mean Frank? I so, Gruby. You mean Frank? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know this wasn't uh, Frank's best game. I think Bedard no. said he was rusty. The gone skull is probably the worst. I used to like yeah. remember that. Like, who <laughs> scored what? When? Yeah, I know. I didn't know. Of course it was a former Avs prospect, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Cameron Awesome. Yeah. Still kicking. So that was the last time the Avs have conceded a goal at 5-on-5. Five yeah. The rest of the week. Yeah, the rest. I think the theme with those games is when we were in them, they were not so fun. But looking yeah. back on winning three games in four days and not giving up a five-on-five five goal is pretty good. Yeah, this is going to be a, a little bit of a shorter read down, partially because of all the trade talk, but also partially because. Blah, in the aftermath of the injury to Rantanen, the Avalanche called up one Martin Kalt, which surprised a few of us. And he played in the Avs 3-1 win on Wednesday over the New York Islanders. This was a strong, complete game, and the Islanders have been struggling to score on their road trip. But the Avs, you know, were able to take advantage of that, despite the injuries that, they're, that are just rolling in. They got goals from Gabe Landeskog, Jonas Donskoy, or Giannis, as Altitude has taken to calling him all of a sudden. And again, Burakovsky. <laughs> Francois' only goal given up was after Varlamov had been pulled for the empty net. And we, we saw Varley give up a couple of goals that we saw him give up a few of 
where it's just kind of like... Neither for the glove. Yeah. yeah, like threw that glove arm a little bit. But this this was a lot better of a game than the first Islanders game, than the, the, the one yeah. on the road. This was so much more of a hockey game. And, uh... Yeah. Much more entertainment value, much better result. Mm, hard to complain. And the Avs just had to give the one goal up after Altitude spent the whole third period talking about how the Islanders hadn't scored an X number of minutes. <laughs> yeah, they, they ended up going like 76 minutes without a goal or something. So we, we made sure they went home with something. Yeah. I mean, um, it's rude but... not to. You gotta be a good host. It's true. Exactly. But that was Count's debut, and, and he looked like he belonged. He was not struggling with the pace. He was not on the fourth line getting zero minutes. He was playing on the third with Belmar Nieto. And, you know, that, that was a, a fairly effective line as far as what they did in their role, and they they seemed to mesh well together right off the bat. So, that you know, for me, that was really nice to see. Yeah, it's, it's very encouraging, and we're going to talk about Martin Count next. But first, there was the rest of this, you know, weekend road trip, because on Friday... The Avs win one nothing over the Anaheim Ducks. Your only goal is from JT Confer with a beauty assist from one Martin Kelt. Shout out or a shutout for Paulo Francois. And finally, on Saturday, he continues the dominance as the Avs win 2-1 in the shootout over the LA Kings with that one goal against being a question mark penalty shot. Yeah. Ryan it's Graves, the world's softest penalty shot call I've ever seen. Yeah, Ryan Graves gets the Avs goal. Both these games were completely terrible and at times completely unwatchable. Discuss. Yeah. Um, and they were very late at night for me, which I didn't appreciate. <laughs> Ten and ten thirty. They just, they just <laughs> both were had that like after hours you don't want to admit it's happening feel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was. Like we said, watching them, it was so bad, but getting a little perspective from them, you do feel a little bit better about they, they just pulled it out. They did what they had to do. Winning a one nothing game, I don't care who it's against, is hard. It is really yeah. hard to, to hold an NHL team to no magic bounces, no crap, no power play, just nothing. To hold a team to nothing and hold a one one to nothing lead for the whole game. That's tough. And then that Kings game was just such a slog. And at least they did what they couldn't do in the outdoor game, which was get it to freaking overtime. They killed a pet. What did they do? Kill a penalty in overtime too. And they got it to the, the shootout and Frank was great in the shootout and they got a win and that's all they needed to do. And it's worth mentioning that the Francis was um, signed a, a two-year extension uh, before the the road trip started. He signed uh, the Rondo years. Grimaldi money. <laughs> he did yeah, two years. <laughs> it, it's two, two years, two two million average. Although it's it's got a little bit of a a, a split. I think it's two point three first year, one point seven second, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, um, but it was nice. You know, he signed a deal like that. He comes up jacked up and gets a shutout in his first game and his buddy Martin Kaut makes a fantastic play on a on a four check sets up Comfer for the only goal um and know, that was that, cool that... I I think I'll remember that that was just really cool that he got the point the not just the point but made the play to win the game and Frank got the shutout and 
that was so nice that they could experience that together. That's that's exactly what this team needed. Like you're not always going to get the blowouts or and we always talk about the depth and this is where you need depth to show up when like we always appreciate the depth but when you get a win like this this is where you really appreciate it that's how i feel yeah and, and this is for me this is sort of the jared bednar playbook is when times are getting tough and you're you know you, you've got a bunch of guys playing in, in weird roles and whatnot he tends to go for a suppress everything mindset where both your offense and the opponents are just non-existent. And of course, if they got a power play goal in either game, it would be a different story, but they didn't. So No. Yeah, so before we talk about the power play, let's talk about Martin Kaut. But before we talk about Martin Kaut, let's continue talking about Pablo Francois, who was named the NHL's first star of the week for going 3 0 one allowing zero even-strength goals after Monday with a shutout. Claps yeah, he did him. great. He did great. He earned his extension. I don't know if we're going to get more into the extension, but I think it it's very fair to him and I the team some options. Yeah, I, I don't really know how much else there is to really say about the extension other than it, you know, it, it seems earned. The money's right for a 1B, which is what he's pretty much shown he can be. And, and he had a great week. He started, three, he started three games in four days and four in six days. That's, that's a lot for anyone, and, and he did well. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's worth pointing out that you know, he did look rusty on Monday, and obviously coming into the, the outdoor game was you know, not planned, obviously. Um, so it's like after that, he was able to settle in and, and kind of got in that starter's rhythm and like, he got very dialed in over the, the last three games. And obviously you're, you're going up against some really pathetic offensive teams, but, um, you know, goals go in all the time from pathetic offensive teams and he didn't let, you know, he didn't let much. So Martin Kelt got an assist. Yeah, he sure did. Cool. I was, I'm thrilled that they actually called him up, and I'm thrilled that he's still there as of right now. And uh, we'll see how long that lasts. I don't think he's gonna stay up too long, but um, he did survive through them sending down both Tynan and Dries, so that was cool. And um, Benner's had him out in some late game situations, so. Uh, that's also nice to see. Plus, he has some early glimmers and some good fancy stats. At like the second most expected goals in the Kings game, which is a little surprising. But I guess when you get three individual scoring chances, that that'll probably do it. That helps. <laughs> um, I just think he's been, he's been good. He's been everything that I've said that he could do. That. Um, he could play a heavy game. He can forecheck. He can play smart. Plays good defensively. He's limited his mistakes, and I think, I think he's shown the offense that he can bring. Like he's not a flashy guy, but he's not just a just a bottom six guy. Like he's made some stuff happen. He's gotten some chances, and I think when he gets more comfortable, the longer he stays, he has a real chance of some of those bucks going in the net. 
Yeah, I really like the role that Jared Bednar put him in. I mean, it, it's so it would have been so easy for him to just, you know, put him on the fourth line and, and play him, you know, six or seven minutes and, and just sort of say like, okay, this is what we want you to work on. But you know, instead he he gave him a third line role with some experienced players and you know immediately meshed with him and and you know he seemed to thrive in the role and that's exactly what they need from guys coming up from the Eagles. You know, whether they're true prospects like Cout or, you know, even somebody like Tynan or Dreiser or Magna. I mean, they, they need guys that can come up and, and be able to do a little bit more than just fill in uh, a little bit of time. And maybe they'll... I don't know if he's had chemistry with um, Belmer and, and Nieto, which who he's playing with. And I think if he's going to stay, he does need to find somebody he gets chemistry with. Even that goal with Comfort, that, that could have some potential. But but yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Having him in a role, giving him some direction, not just playing him as a warm body, is very encouraging to me for their thoughts of him for the future because that's exactly the player that he should be in their plans. Yeah, and you can kind of see, not to the same extent, but they've, they're, they're kind of doing that with O'Connor too, the other prospect that's, that's staying up after the deadline. Which is good because I do think he can be a good energy fourth liner. I, yeah. And they put him in that role. And, and if, if these are the two guys that they choose to keep for a little while, I think it is the right decision. And like you said, they're in the roles they should be in. And especially in consideration for what they could do maybe next year or something like that. Right. And it just seems that those two guys have brought a little bit more than guys like Tynan and Dreis and, and Magna over the season. Yeah. So it's just showing that, you know, experience is great and all that, but if you have a little bit more to bring to the table, then the coach has a little bit, you know, more that he can do with you. Logan O'Connor's got a, a pretty strong forecheck, created himself a nice chance with a nice steal over the weekend. Like, it, he has, like, he showed more than either of those other two players that you named, and he, like, I still don't really want Logan O'Connor on the roster for very long, but... But he, right. but he's the kind of guy that at least has a purpose. At least yeah. has the upside enough to fill that role. Yeah, and you, you don't stick him on the ice for six minutes and go, please don't hurt us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's interest, it'll be interesting to see. I, with bringing in Domestikov, that's one player... So does that mean Burkowski's shoulder's still sick? Or they've decided to carry an extra forward for a little while? Because they could have sent one of Cout or, or O'Connor back, but they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. And first games against Buffalo at home. Um, so that that's that's probably an easy game for them to decide some roles before they, they roll over to, to Carolina and Nashville. Um, so I, I, I think that game on Wednesday is going to be, um, and there's going to be probably a, a lot of blend arring. That happens. So with uh, the Avalanche taking some injuries lately, Miko Rantanen's out for a couple of weeks. Nazem Kadri still has a couple of weeks to go on his injury. Um, Matt Calvert, question mark injury um also on sunday the abs were without andre burakovsky who had uh you know 
Definitely not an upper body injury that they said was illness. That, that's 100% not what happened. I guess we'll find out what the truth is this week. Yeah. Um, that's, Allegedly, Nieto yeah, that, was... That was weird. <laughs> Especially since <laughs> it, it, was, it was something that... It looked like they were prepared to play with Burakovsky, and then he just didn't. So, I don't know. And shout out to Conspiracy Twitter, who were sure that Jost and Zadorov were gone because they did not have pictures posted in real time from the charity brunch. And Nieto. Well, Nieto was sick. I get, yeah, I guess supposedly <laughs> he was too sick to go to the charity brunch. So, so maybe he's the one that can't play on Wednesday. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out when they convene tomorrow. But it was funny that the Avs then put up a picture on their Instagram story of Zadorov and Jost in the same photo, and it was posted like two hours after everything else. <laughs> no one ever accused this team of being very good at social media. <laughs> but all this is to say that the Avalanche are missing some scorers, and the last couple of games, they have not really scored a lot of goals. Shocking. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I do think part of that is due to who's missing. I mean, you're just not going to be the same team when you're missing that many top six forwards and whatnot. But you know, I, I do think that I do think that the Bednar and the staff tend to try to clamp the whole game down when they're in a situation like that. I think they go just a little bit too conservative, and it, it hurts them a lot offensively, and probably doesn't help them as much defensively. And no power play goals. That that also keeps your goal total down. Yeah, but they never get any anyway. <laughs> the power play has been humming along pretty nicely since the All Star yeah. break, and I and it was it interesting had. because in that same time frame, Miko Rantanen looked pretty good. He sure did. Isn't it interesting how that happened? When, and when... it's weird because I, I really do blame Miko a lot for slowing the power play down and, and kind of having the play die on his stick, but it, it does seem that as soon as he came to life, the power play came to life, and when he left, it obviously went 0 for 13. And Andre Burakovsky, you're, you're no Miko Rantanen. Apparently. Yeah. Tyson Joe's definitely not, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guy who hadn't scored in about three months, and you stuck him on PP1. All right. So the yeah, power that's... play really does kind of seem to go as Miko goes. And that's, that's interesting to me because what what's kind of going on here is, for one, the power play like uses Kale McCarr to make sure the puck doesn't come out of the zone and doesn't give him a whole lot of, of freedom to do much else. Yeah. And Nathan McKinnon tries to be Alex Ovechkin, but he's not. <laughs> he's good. He can score from there, but he's not going to Alex Ovechkin you from there. And so with, uh, I just... without that other weapon from in Miko Ranson and the power play is just not accomplishing anything. Well, this is where I pound the table and I say this is when you need to put Sam and Makar in power play one, open up Makar as the shooter, as the shooting threat. But I've I've gone down that dusty road a million times, but especially when there's injuries, you have to think of something else. You can't just roll out the same power play and just keep putting different people in the same spots and hope that it 
becomes effective. You need to consolidate your talent and come up with a different look. Yeah, it's it was tough for me, especially against the Kings, when you're just looking at McCarr and McKinnon, they were passing back and forth, both of them <laughs> very close to the blue line and, and a, you know, sixty feet away from the goal. And it's like, yeah, you're keeping possession, guys, but you are not even close to creating a dangerous chance. You're not helping the other three guys on the ice is do what they where, need to do to help score is, a goal. Is this where we mentioned that Snoop Dogg diagnosed the exact same thing you were mentioning? Which oh, was, that was fantastic. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's like... I mean, Snoop's pretty on it. He, he's, you know, he, he watches a lot of hockey, so it's not just sort of some guy walking up and, and saying, you know, what is this? I mean, he was breaking down exactly why they were effective. Still, though, it was glorious. Y'all, yeah. Y'all can do that all y'all want. Y'all ain't gonna get no points. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, he's, he's just sitting there like... If you're going to keep the puck in the top half of the zone the whole power play, nothing's going to happen. It's just, you know, I, I hope someone just sent that constantly to, to Ray Bennett's phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can't hide, guys. You can't yeah. hide. So the power play without Miko Rantanen is butt. But... Miko Rantanen will eventually be back. He, like, we originally thought that he was out for a minute. Like, we, like, he was thinking, you know, maybe he blew up a collarbone or smashed his wrist all up. Thinking probably not so much on that. They got some good news out of the MRI room, so it'll probably be four weeks, which means another three plus. Um, and then who knows how long it takes him to get back and get back up to speed. It's just, it's really too bad because he was really starting to look like Miko Rantanen again. And, yeah, and now he just looks dead again, which is just—it's yeah—you you hate to see him lose this whole season, but that's what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's gonna happen, but it's doesn't change my opinion. Doesn't change my opinion at all about what kind of player he is and what he can do. It's just, yeah, he's gonna need an off season just to catch up on all of this and get prepared. And I think it will help for him to have a real camp and everything too. Well, I, I think contrary to what happened with his ankle injury, um, he's going to be able to keep his lower body um, in shape this time. Um, you know, if this is some sort of um, collarbone injury, cyclists tend to get back on the bike about two weeks after they have surgery or whatever happens. Um, so they're able to keep at least their lower body in shape. So if Miko is able to keep his legs a little bit, I think it'll be a little bit easier to transition back into his game because it, it just looked like a lot of what his struggles were, were. You know, he just wasn't able to keep up a lot. Um, you know, until the last couple of weeks. Right. He really needs that lower body stability. That yeah. That he loses when he gets injured, and yeah, I mean, if anything, this th this might actually allow him to strengthen further that ankle and so it, he might even be a little bit better true you know not not immediately when he comes back but you know a couple weeks after that so you know this could end up being a decent thing gee is there anything going on a couple of weeks after he's expected back <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe playoffs the meat and potatoes yeah. of the season 
Well, if they all show up, right when round one starts. So I just want to reiterate one more time that uh, that the Leafs lost to a Zamboni driver. <laughs> That's the worst part is I couldn't watch it. I, you know, everyone kept talking about this, and they're like, "You got to turn this on." I'm like, "I can." I'm blacked out. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's an absolutely unreal story, and. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to David Ayers and and shout out to the Carolina Hurricanes marketing team who are maybe the best in the league for immediately creating Ayers merch and making sure he was going to get a cut and making sure that they could get some of the like some of the rest of the profit from that to the uh, to a, some kind of kidney foundation of his choosing because David Ayers is a kidney transplant recipient. Yeah, um, you know it's a great story. I mean. I- emergency goalies are they're kind of secret it's like i mean we don't really know who the avs or the the pepsi center's emergency goalie is or any you know knowledge about them but you know this guy is 42 years old zamboni driver for a, a rink that i guess it's not the, the marley's rink or whatever but it's something in that area and and he's actually no, sort it, of a practice goaltender for those guys it is the marley like he's he's the zamboni driver at rico like he i thought he i he is okay, I thought it was the old Maple Leaf Gardens. No, is that is that? Well, okay. I mean, maybe that's what they call the old Maple Leaf Gardens. I think it was I both. I think it was both or something. I think you're both okay. right. Remember hearing Maple Leaf Gardens, but then I also do remember something about the Marlies and and then yeah, he is like their emergency practice goalie. So yeah. he has been on the ice against some of the Leafs. So maybe that helped, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just you lost to a Zamboni driver. <laughs> Who works for your team? That's that's the like as if there's not another kicker enough from losing to an emergency backup goaltender. He's on your team's payroll. Yeah, right. He's he was provided by you in your arena. <laughs> Works for MLSE. And I think that's only someone was saying that's only the third time in fifty years that the emergency goalie has come into a game. Really? I remember the guy in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I'm positive it's the first time that an emergency backup goaltender has been credited with a win. Right. And shout out to Pingo in the chat who's telling us that Maple Leaf Gardens is a supermarket now. None of us are in Toronto, so we can't really prove that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just... We you cannot say enough that the Leafs lost to a Zamboni driver on MLSE payroll. Let's do stars and scratches. Okay. Let's 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 do them. <laughs> well, then I'll take these uh, one, Frank. Right? Yeah. yeah. The NHL even gave him a star. Frank is the yeah, default the, this week. The big one. He got the big star of the week. The star. Um. T H E E star. Mine's going to be Martin Kaut. All right. Oh, that's for, unfair. I could pick him for too. For proving us all right. Yes. Yes. For for being exactly <laughs> what we had hoped he could come up and be immediately. Yeah. We're thinking, oh, he's a you know he's a slower, more cerebral type of player. Maybe coming up in the NHL where there's better team play and a smarter play in general will help him. Well, he pretty much said that after a game. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was ready. And I, I will say, the, the Avs did it right. They actually did something right here. If it took Miko going down, if they were trying to get by with just Tynan, and, and that was the straw, 
thing. Clearly, it wasn't maybe a showcase, like was suggested by some folks out there. But um, <laughs> this was the right time to use him. Almost at that exact 100 AHL game mark. I, I'd been saying for weeks that I thought his game was ready, at least, at least for a shot. Maybe not stay forever, but um. Oh, he, Good on he him. probably can't stay forever. There's probably not room, and you don't want him just sitting. Yeah. 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 And if we, and there's the matter of the contract, we'll get, I would like them to at least get there and decide. So that'd be a couple more weeks. So I'm just thankful for every game, really. I'm not expecting a ton here, but I'm just thankful. And I'm glad that he's given them a reason to keep him as well. So I definitely co sign that star. And, and usually, Guys in his situation, when they're first call up, they tend to hit a plateau or a wall at some point fairly quickly, and that's fine because that's that's when you know it's time to send them back to the minors and and say this is exactly what you need to work on, and when you come back next time, um, you, you know you'll be able to handle this better. But you know, just showing that he can come up and fit into a lineup and and mesh with, you know true NHL players and, and play a role and, and do everything that he did over the past three games. It's just great to see. The others, it's hard because... Yeah, yeah it really is tough. I, I'll, because... I, I, I'd like to toss a third star towards uh, Andre Burakovsky for... Yeah, he's been good. For a couple of goals. And uh, I'll scratch his shoulder. <laughs> his sick or shoulder. Because <laughs> we'll find out the truth. Um. Yeah, he's been good. He he certainly has elevated, especially when when uh, the players started going down. And he's he's been good for at least the past month or two. He's the last Avalanche player to score a power play goal. Yes, and it was on a pass from Miko Rantanen. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say that too. But five minutes into the first game of the week. Burakovsky does have the most even strength points of the month. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good. Not Nathan McKinnon. No, which we will get to. Spoiler alert. Well, we don't have a whole lot of show left. What could it possibly be? <laughs> okay. Let's, let's do scratches. Yes. All right. Would anyone I like know to this go is first? going to be painful, but I'm going to scratch McKinnon. And I know that he has. He's. Like you mentioned, he was good in that Tampa game, but I don't think he's been at his full capacity for a little while, at least. And looking at some of the numbers that he's only scored 12 points in February, which isn't terrible, but McKinnon is better than just a point-per-game player, and only half of those are even strength, six points, which is the same number even strength points Nuke has created so three goals one on the power play two even strength goals i think it's fair to expect more for mckinnon and i we mentioned it on the last show that he's not challenging as much i did we did see a couple net drives this week but um i think rather than what they could have spent a bunch for to bring in at the deadline is less important than McKinnon getting back to getting on a roll again. I don't think he's going to get 25 points every month like he did in November, but he can do better. Yeah, I I, I fully endorse this star, and, and 
I've been through this a while over the past, you know, probably most of this month. But the falling in love with the point shot thing is really killing his game. Stop it. Um, it's and I don't it's totally one of those things for that. Like he's they they clearly thought this was like the greatest idea ever. Well, the statistics don't bear that out at all. <laughs> they really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's like his shooting percentage has plummeted. His expected goals per shot attempt unblocked is in half. Um, it's just, it's not working. And I, I realize it's tough to go deeper into the zone. There's all those defenders trying to hit you and stuff. But, you know... <laughs> You're just not going to do anything from the point. You're not fooling anybody. You're making it crowded back there. You're drawing the defense up towards you. It's just... <clears throat> I don't know. It's just easier to create it. breakaways the other way. Like, the Islanders knew that that high shot was coming. Right. They were on that. They could have gotten burned easy. Uh, yeah, it's like the worst place you can turn the puck over is right there in front of the blue line. And that's just that, that if you're shooting from there a lot, yeah, okay, it's like you, you could create some rebounds, but it's just so easy for the other team to turn it over and, and go the other way. So, you know, I, I know that the staff try to encourage this, but they shouldn't. It's just really frustrating to see a, a player with McKinnon's skill set relegate himself to basically taking the same shots as Ian Gold. Yeah. And Ian Cole drives to the net, too, so maybe more than Mac does. <laughs> and there definitely is value in taking shots from the very high slot like he likes to do sometimes. That's actually yeah. a reasonably dangerous area. But when he's shooting from the point, like, come on. Yeah. I know the shot charts aren't 100% accurate yet because they don't have player tracking, but it you can just see that you know the the bulk of his shots in certain games where he's not very productive you know have like five or six shots from above the top of the circles and and one below or no um you know that's just that's not going to get it done let's uh let's let's scratch a couple of other players if we want to okay i'm going to i'm going to take zadorov and i think that a lot of what the staff don't like about Zadorov and, and what's probably going to be sort of the, the death knell for his career with the Avs if he ends up leaving this summer um, was really on display on the goal that Steven Stamkos scored for Tampa on Monday night. And it's just like a, a, a play where you know he defended well and didn't stop at the front of the net. He went threw it and behind the net stopped Stamkos was able to diddle around and, and finally get it past Frank and he's sitting there watching from behind the net and it just that's going to drive coaches bananas and I think it's just plays like that that they hate and you know I like Z I, I just I don't think I've seen much progression in the mistakes that he makes like that you know, it's it's mistakes like that. It's his play in front of the net. I mean, he's a fantastic defender in the neutral zone and, and defending the blue line, things like that. But, you know, if, if the coaches can't trust you to do the right play right close to your net, just what do you do? And I agree with that. It's just certain we've seen uh, not great weeks from Graves and EJ and 
at times Cole is not a very intelligent defender. So no. that's why I don't disagree, but the others tend to get more of a free pass for their mistakes. Even on that, yeah, on that very same have... goal that you're, that you're pointing out, like on the other side of the puck is Kale McCarr, whose stick is pointing at the scoreboard for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that snapshot of Z behind the net watching Stamkos from his ass put a, the puck <laughs> in the net is, is kind of, you know, that's what's burned into your mind about Zadorov's career with the Avs. It's just like, Look, you could have been five feet that way, and that would have never happened. And that's why people get pissed off at your potential. Well, I will lob mine toward um, the injury bug unofficially because this is getting ridiculous. And uh, more officially toward Eric Johnson, who I feel like had a really struggle bus of a week. Um, just kind of, you know not really able to take care of things in front of the front of the net as, as you like, he's, he is not alone in this. Like you were just mentioning, like there's several names that you could pick out here, but he, he doesn't generate the shots that like Ian Cole does. He doesn't score from between the circles. Like Ryan Graves apparently does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and now I'm going to totally contradict myself and say that when I, I guess in the I know definitely for the Islanders game that they put Zadorov and Sam together uh, they might have been they might have done that for the Ducks too I can't remember but you know Sam, if you look at Sam's numbers over the week it's like when he was playing with Zadorov and I know he was playing with Makar a bunch too so it's it's hard to parse that out but when he finally got put back with EJ definitely for the Kings game it was not a good game for Sam, and I don't think it was anything to do with the Kings being, you know, really gritty or anything like that. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I think that it's tough for Sam to make up for EJ sometimes. I think EJ can have a good game, and they, they really hit it off, and you see that, you're like, oh, good, you know. It's like these guys are, work well together, but it's like there are a lot of games, like you're describing, where it's just, you know, yeah, like, yeah, the EJ. You've got to be better. <laughs> things just yeah, yeah. aren't working. The stick's just not quite in the right place. The passes just don't yeah. quite connect. The, the swimming doesn't quite take away the play that it's trying to. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the tough thing with EJ is it's not all 100% in any direction. That there's just that inconsistency. And, and there are things that he does well that go unnoticed and he does have better games like you said and then some games it's just he he looks like he's finding the cliff it's a little yeah. scary yep and it's, it's just one of those things that you i mean if you've done anything at a like competitive at a reasonably high level you you know that feeling where, th where things are just not quite right and like you'll you have times when you're just a little bit off and because you're at that higher level, it it's noticeable. Your mistakes get punished. So yeah, and I think and it's then, tough for the staff too, because I think they'd like to put EJ and Cole together a lot and have them be, you know, a shutdown pair with EJ being the more skilled puck mover type on that line. And it just it doesn't work. And I, it, I they've tried that for years with those two, and it just 
it, it seems that Cole very sucks any kind that. of puck skill that <laughs> EJ has away. And we'll give an honorary star to David Ayers and an honorary scratch to the Maple Leafs who lost to a Zamboni driver. Coming up on Wednesday, Wayne Simmons and the Buffalo Sabres come to town, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Six o'clock mountain on NBC Sportsnet, so get ready for Pierre. And then head out east for a Friday-Saturday back-to-back. First in Carolina, then in Nashville. Both games, 5 o'clock mountain, on altitude. Three games in four days again. After all the crap I've said about Wayne Simmons, he's definitely scoring in that game. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Just to troll you personally. (laughs) It's my fault. I, you know, I was super not optimistic last week, which which actually worked well in the Avs' favor because I said they get three points, and of course they got seven. Um, and I wasn't so I don't know even if the I should be here. pessimistic again or <laughs> how this should work. <laughs> I think they can have a decent week. Yeah. And in a weird way, they do tend to play better the more people are out. <laughs> it's kind of mm-hmm. sad. But... They have to be Buffalo, right? I know they just completely took them apart at home. And yeah. Although if you're the Buffalo coach, you're, you're there with a whip saying this that that's not happening again this time, guys. <laughs> right, and it's hard to beat any NHL team like that twice. But yeah, this is also another you have to take care of business. You have to do it. And um, the Carolina game should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that one for certain reasons. And... Um, it could be a good match. Uh, Carolina has a lot of new faces with the moves they yeah, made. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what makes it tough for me to handicap that game. Yeah. I they don't have a goalie, apparently. A, a tight <laughs> game here. I don't, I don't think they tend to... I think it was tight. What did, did we even lose to them the first game here? I almost can't even remember it. Who was this? I think we did. I think it was in December. We lost to Carolina. I think we did. Maybe. I'll look. I have this uh, those, those games always seem tight, and they're good games. Both both have good depth and defense and all that. So, Carolina they lose that three, one. It's not a big deal. Colorado one. Okay. That, this right. was one of the first games of the Colorado blows leads narrative. Ah, yeah. yes, I remember that one. Okay, that was the one where they could have won what like one to nothing, and they didn't. Right. Yeah. And um. I'd like to think they could beat Nashville, even though it's on a back-to-back. But Nashville's so hard. I haven't seen them since we played them in November. I know they were terrible. Then they got a little bit better. And I don't know. I think I'll say two wins. I'll say four points. I think they can run the table this week because Buffalo is poop. And Carolina has too many new faces that are not going to be fully meshed together yet. And Nashville is spiraling. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this should be a six-point week. Um, they, they might not go, go all six. So, you know, I, I, I tend to think we'll get four points out of it easy. Maybe five. I, under four would be a massive disappointment. And six is realistic. Yeah. I think that's fair. So if anyone's curious about background noise, um, I have one of the dogs in this room because she doesn't get along with one of the other dogs if there's not a human nearby. And she hopped up in my lap to distract me and then grabbed a piece of crust from my sandwich that I ate before the show. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that would be what all the scrabbling was. <laughs> well, Ashley hasn't barked yet, but she's close. Yeah, it's it's time for <laughs> it's the time of day that I usually feed my dogs, so they're all very restless right now, and I'm surprised it took her this long to steal the little bread crust that's sitting on the corner of my desk here, basically unguarded. Um so I will open up the last words. Does anyone have any? It was a good day, thank God. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it's a good yeah, day, thank I, God. I, I, I think the, the future abs thank us for what happened today. Yes. We're on the right side of history, and the least lost to a Zamboni driver. No matter what happens next week, <laughs> you can always find out here. You can catch the show on SoundCloud or on Spotify or on Google Podcasts or Google Play Store, whatever the, whatever the hell it's called, Google Play Things. Apple Podcasts is what I'm trying to say. Keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we'll see you at the normal time for the normal schedule next week. Cool, and they signed Rocco today. Yeah. That was like their big their big gift to their fans. And they did it on a Sunday because he's a church going guy. But it's Monday. <laughs> Not there. What? <laughs>